Good evening. Actually, you could keep the QR code up there, and if, if, just if, anyone gets distracted in the middle of a talk, you can just put your phone up. I'll know exactly what you're doing. You're signing up. And actually, on Tuesday this week, Tuesday evening, uh, we shall be praying here at St. Michael's uh, for this service. At quarter to eight uh, is when the doors will open, and at eight o'clock, uh, that prayer meeting will start. And if you want to come along, you'd be very, very, very welcome. Would you join me in just praying uh, that God would speak into our lives as I preach? Let, let's pray together. Father God, thank you that today is Pentecost Sunday. It's a day when we think about how you poured out your Holy Spirit upon the church. And we pray tonight that you'd have access to our hearts. Lord, you know every single one of us. You know whether we come into church tonight rejoicing and full of faith in the Holy Spirit, or you know we come dragging our feet, looking down and feeling worn out. And our prayer is that you would meet and encounter every single one of us and bring your word alive to us. I pray you'd anoint what I've got to say with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as I sat down to prepare this talk, I was thinking, Pentecost, hooray, and then I was thinking, gosh, that's such an odd word. It, it, it's part of the specialist vocabulary of the Christian life, Pentecost. What on earth does that mean to anyone? So let me just say that. Pentecost is when the Christian church remembers what happened 50 days after Easter Day, when God poured out his Holy Spirit. Now, even in Scripture, there were people who didn't know what difference that would make. So the Apostle Paul was traveling, and he gets to Ephesus. We read this in Acts 19, and this is exactly what it says. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus, and there he found some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So tonight, I want to talk all about the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about some of the difference that he can make to your life and to my life. You know, one of the things that keeps me awake at night as a preacher and teacher is that when I'm speaking up here, whatever I'm talking about, the idea is not that you go away with a book full of notes. The, the idea is that we encounter God and he has a chance to move and change our lives. And that's what we want to pray for tonight. And I want to begin with a story, a true story. Um, Liz, my wife, and I were driving back to London, and we were about an hour and a half outside of London, when we heard a loud bang. And we hadn't a clue what it was. We, we looked at each other and said, did you hear that? And we said, yeah, so. And we just kept driving. And then the next thing, we saw a light on the dashboard. And it was actually a light I'd seen before, and it was in the shape of a tire. So I kind of guessed, uh-oh, um, something's wrong with one of our tires. And the next thing, we heard clunk, 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 and kind of ka-chunk, 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 ka-chunk. And then the car got very, very hard to drive. And Liz had a flash of genius and put into 
our GPS system on the phone something like Tarshot, and we got directed to QuickFit. And by the time we got to QuickFit, just four miles from where we heard the bang, and the car was really hard to drive. And actually, it was unlucky. It was one minute to five, and the guys said, well, hard luck, we've cashed up. We're going home now. We close in one minute. But we will take the tire off for you, and we'll put on the spare tire. And they got, went and opened the boot, and there was a spare tire, and it sounds great, except that the spare tire was half the size of a normal tire. And written all over the spare tire was, don't go more than 50 miles per hour and stop after one hour. Now, why do I tell you about my motoring mechanical problems? Because I think it's actually quite a good picture of how a lot of us do the Christian life. That little by little, the air comes out of your tires and my tires. And um, the Holy Spirit in Scripture is sometimes referred to as air or wind. And without, without air in your tires, life gets quite challenging driving along. You can do it. You can make some progress, but you're using a lot of energy to go a very little distance. And to begin with, the problem was only, I suspect, um, the only people who knew about the problem was Liz and me sitting in the car. But by the end of our experience, everyone all around us could see this car is noisy and, and it's lurching. It's, it's just something very wrong with that tyre. And it's a bit like that in our Christian walk. If the air goes out of your tyres, if the Holy Spirit leaks out of your life, you, you will start to feel exhausted. You, you will start internally to just feel things are not as they should be. I'm not making progress. And to be truthful with you, and why wouldn't I be, after a little while, other people will spot that too. It won't just be your little secret. It's not that you're going clunk, clunk, clunk everywhere you go, but you might be. And you will find it hard to steer the car. You will find it hard to keep yourself on a God-pleasing trajectory in your life. Because that's what the Holy Spirit is meant to help you with. And if he's leaking all over the place, he's not able to help you at all. And it... it, it gets to an emergency point where you need to find quick fit. You need to find a filling station. So tonight is all about that. Tonight is all about the help the Holy Spirit can bring. And there are literally, there are hundreds of things I could be talking about tonight about the Holy Spirit, but I've been praying about it. And I want to talk about aspects of his work in our life that I think are particularly relevant right now after a time where nearly all of us have been through hard times the last couple of years. And you could think of tonight's uh, sermon all about pneumatic drill. The word for the Holy Spirit is pneuma, and it's, this is a Holy Spirit drill in our life. And the number one thing I want us to remember is the Holy Spirit is sent to us to help us. This is my first point, and it's an important one. The Holy Spirit is sent to us specifically to help us. When you prepare a talk like this, you, you look at the scriptures and you look at different versions of different verses, and you go back if you want to, just to make sure that you're, you're teaching accurately. And in John 14, 16, Jesus says to the disciples, he promised them, I will send you another helper. That's the precise words of what he promises, talking about the Holy Spirit. 
God says, I would love to help you. I would love to help you. Now, if I was mean, and I'm not mean, but if I was mean, I might ask for a show of hands saying something like this, who amongst us feels like they need to ask God for help? But I'm not mean, and I'm not going to ask it. And the reason why it's a mean thing to ask is this. Uh, my son, who's a teacher, told me a true story last week. His, his pupils in his school had been taking exams, and he told me that um, the school came out from doing their maths exams, and, and the top set had, uh, one, of the, one of the guys in the top set had memorized the last question on the paper and went to the maths teacher and, and said, um, this was the question. I find it a really, really hard question. Is it a hard question? And the teacher, head of maths, said, wow, that is a seriously hard question. Wow, yeah, no wonder. And my son said that the bottom set came out and they said, wow, wasn't that easy? Smashed it. No problem at all with the last question. Piece of cake. And you see, sometimes, sometimes if I ask, so which of us needs to know or knows we need God's help? It's a mean question. Because if you didn't put your hand up, I would really want to challenge you and say, what planet are you on? Because if you ask the Apostle Paul any day of his life, do you need God's help? He'd say, you kidding? Of course I do. Of course I do. I can do all things through him who fills me with strength, but I can't do anything in my own strength. And so the, the very first point is, if you've come into this building tonight feeling, I'm God, you know, I need help. I can't shout this out, but you know privately, in the secrecy of my heart, I need help. The first thing to note about Pentecost is God has sent a helper. God has sent a helper. How can he help? I, I want to give a few ideas. He can write hope into your heart, into my heart. The Holy Spirit and hope go together. You know, I can't help reflecting that the impact of COVID upon our community across London, across the country, has been like trauma on a huge scale. And that's what's so unnerving about it. It's like, it's okay, it's not okay, but it, we know how to deal with individuals having difficult time. But when a whole communities have a challenging time at once, it, we, we haven't experienced that too often in our lifetimes. And it's like having the, the stuffing knocked out of you, only not just you, whole communities all at once. And if you have the wind knocked out of your sails, then you need the wind put back in your sails. And that's something that the Holy Spirit can do by giving you hope. Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this isn't a natural thing so much as a supernatural thing. The Holy Spirit just starts to drop these thoughts of hope into your life, even at times when you have no right to be hopeful. Now, I don't often talk about it, but in, in March 2020, um, I was living in Cambridge 
And my son, Ollie, came back to Cambridge where we were living and told us he didn't feel too great. Now, March 2020 was just before COVID really got on the map. People were just beginning to talk about it. And as things turned out, both Ollie, my son, and I got COVID seriously badly. We ended up being carted off to hospital, me in an ambulance, and I was put on a ventilator. And happily for both of us and for our family, uh, we survived and come through unscathed, relatively. But one of the things that I did when I was feeling not too great and getting worse by the day, was I grabbed a piece of paper and I wrote down 10 reasons for hope. And I actually wrote down 11 things, but who's counting? And um, I'll read some of them out to you. And I just think these were Holy Spirit-given reasons for hope. It's just this is in the order they came out. Just grab a bit of paper and start writing. What would you write? I wrote down, number one, the Lord reigns. Number two, you'll never walk alone. Number three, Jesus forgives your past and redeems it and uses it even. Number four, God has a purpose for the life he's given you. Ask him and he'll reveal it. Number five, Jesus is coming back. Number six, God's Holy Spirit can fill you. Number seven, the kingdom of God will continue to grow. Number eight, feel the love. You're more loved than you know. Number nine, you can be as close to God as you want to be. So invite him. Number 10, you're part of a fantastic family. Number 11, death is not the end of your life. Does any of that give you any hope? Well, I can keep going with at least 30 more if you like, but I've only written down the ones that I wrote down then. Now, here's the thing. It's especially important for us to remember that God provides help even when you're feeling broken and exhausted and powerless and joyless. Because that's exactly how they must have felt when they were in the upper room before the first Pentecost, after Jesus' crucifixion, don't you think? You know, the ground had been taken from under them. They were given this enormous, somewhat crazy commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And they must have been looking at each other thinking, how on earth is that going to happen? And you know what their primary feeling was? I should think it was fear. I should think it was insecurity. What's going to happen next? They'd been following this carpenter for three years, traipsing around in his shadow, and gone into more scrapes than they wanted to ever remember. But he got them out of every single one of them, and now he's gone. And so they had to have felt insecure. And so here's another way that the Holy Spirit helps. He feeds you with security. He gives you security. The security of knowing you belong to God. I'm not a great one on liturgy. I don't think that's much of a secret. But there is a line in a baptism liturgy which strikes me as being very, very good and very, very apt. And it goes like this. You put the name of a person, so Rupert, God has claimed you as his own. And that's exactly right. God puts his Holy Spirit in us to claim us as his own. And Paul says this to the believers in Rome, in Romans 8, verse 15. He says, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit you received, brought about your adoption to sonship. And that's why we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit, we're God's children. 
I suspect all of us from time to time have had a very horrid experience of being an outsider. And it's really not nice. If you've ever had a sense of being in a place where you don't really belong, and you'll know what I mean. You feel out of place there. But if you're adopted into a family, you claim the rights of that family. And that's the important thing about the Holy Spirit. One of the important things. He claims, he gives us the right to claim we are children of God. Now, I, I was watching the concert from the Mall yesterday uh, on the television. And um, from time to time, they would pan into the royal box, wouldn't they? And all the people in the royal box that they focused on looked incredibly at home. They, they all looked like they had the right to be there because they did have the right to be there. But it struck me as incredibly convenient for me that some of them were not born with the right to be there. So two people that stood out easily were Camilla and Catherine. Well, in their early life, they had no idea that they would be given the right to be in the royal box. But they have the right because they've been adopted into the royal family. No one's going to question them about that. That's why they look so at home there. And it's just like that for you and for me. Except it's even better than that. Because the people God takes into his family are the broken people. You don't have to be wholesome or whole to get into God's family. He specializes in loving the broken. I've heard a story told about a family that was having fun, having a pillow fight. And um, the father was in this pillow fight with his two young children. And they were having a great time when the dad said later, it, it looked to him like this happened in slow motion, that he, he, he took a swipe at his daughter and missed the daughter and instead whacked this piece of china, a china horse, from off the mantelpiece onto the ground. He said he just saw it going in slow motion to the ground and smash into pieces. And he thought, oh, I'm in serious trouble now because he knew this, this broken piece of china had been an absolute favorite of his daughter's. And sure enough, his daughter burst into floods of tears and the father kind of didn't know what to do in his embarrassment and he just kind of picked up the pieces and was about to dump them in the bin. When his daughter came up with the incredible line, give me those pieces. And she said, just because it's broken doesn't mean I can't love it. When I had that story, I thought that is, that is a very good illustration because that is what God says to us over our lives. Just because it's broken, just because you've hashed up, just because things are not working out the way you wanted them to, doesn't mean I can't love you. There's a line in scripture that when you read it, it sounds terrific, but when you have to live it, it feels horrific. And it's this line from 2 Corinthians 4, where Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. You know, all of us have seen pictures over the last few days, I'm sure we have, of the queen at her coronation, and you know how magnificent she looked. And there she is, sat on the throne, and she's got the crown jewels on her head, and she, you know, she's got the orb and the scepter, and, and it's glorious. But how about 
picturing God on the throne. And instead of having a glorious orb and scepter, he's cradling a cracked pot. Because that is what he does. He's called us to him. And he said, I know about the flaws that are in your life. And I can work through those. It's through your weakness that I can shine brightest. And as I say, it sounds terrific, but as you live it, it's horrific because you're so vulnerable and no one likes being a cracked pot. We're not crackpots, but we are cracked pots. And what he does is he fills us with his Holy Spirit so that through those cracks, it becomes all the more obvious that it's God's spirit at work, not your own strength. It's Holy Spirit help. And some of us need to know that tonight. You know, Winston Churchill's definition of success was going from one failure to another with no apparent loss of enthusiasm. And discipleship can be like that for periods. And let's notice together that Pentecost came when the followers of Jesus were on empty, not when they were on full. God can bless people who are hungry and in need of his help. Here's another area that the Holy Spirit can help. He brings resource or strength or replenishment. And again, I'm not going to be so crass as to ask you to put your hand up, but I would say, rarely is it true in my life that I don't need those things, resource and strength and replenishment. And a key verse here is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and self-control. And I suppose the most obvious aspect of the Holy Spirit being poured out of Pentecost was an infusion of God's power and strength. But to be frank with you, I'm rather uncomfortable with that kind of power language. And why am I? Because I think striving after power is not very attractive. And I'd rather actually run a mile and like to avoid people who are power hungry. And people who parade their power like medals on their chest, they're intimidating. And they play a power game. And that's not the way Jesus did it. And this isn't the kind of power that the Holy Spirit gives. But it is definitely power to witness for him. And if you read the early book of Acts, you will see this happens time and time and time again. It's Holy Spirit intervention through works of power, healings, deliverance, prophecy, divine encounters. That's to say people meeting other people. It looks like a coincidence on the surface, but it isn't. It's God who's actually arranged these things. So far today, I think we've had this evening service three times, and each time someone has given their life to Christ. And it's because they feel they've encountered the presence of God. We should pray for that. This is the Holy Spirit's power to witness. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and self-control. So power to witness comes with the package. Yeah, bring it on. We need that, don't we? But secondly, power to endure suffering. You know, the verse that comes straight after the one I've just read about God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but power, love, and self-control 
is this, the very next verse. Join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And you know, God knows we need his help in this dimension. If, if you and I could see into the private lives of the people all around us, I'm absolutely sure you'd be surprised. Even those who look as if they've got a comfortable life that's under control. And I'm not a gloom gatherer, and I don't like just rehearsing bad things, but we live in the world of hard knocks, and that's true for everyone. And there are plenty of people, plenty of people who feel that their own lives are a disappointment. A disappointment to them, a disappointment to people they know, a disappointment to God. There are plenty of people who feel that their children's and grandchildren's lives are a disappointment, not turning out the way they really wish they were. But it's private and it's hidden, but it's not hidden from God and we need help to endure that. But even, even worse than that is Paul is upfront about it and Jesus is upfront about it, but a whole layer that comes above and beyond that, which is called suffering for the gospel. It's, it's the moment that you decide to follow Christ, it is like putting up your hand and volunteering to be ugly. That, that is what Jesus says. He says, you know, pick up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, let's go on holiday together and have a picnic in the Bahamas. It's like, pick up your cross doesn't sound like fun. And it's this strange mixture, but it's the truth that Jesus talks. He, he says, in this world you'll have trouble. Fear not. I've overcome the world. Pick up your cross and follow me, which sounds awful. And then he says in the same breath, and this is the way of abundant life, a life of self-sacrifice and service. And there's no way that we'll be able to do this in our own strength. The Holy Spirit has to give us the strength to do it. And he will. God has promised help. This is part of the package. This is why Paul says it to Timothy. And the next aspect, and I'm near the end, don't worry, the next aspect is the power to live a holy life. God's called us and saved us to live a holy life. You know, I've, I am something of uh, a royalist monarchist. I'm very enthusiastic about the Queen, which is just as well as I'm one of her chaplains. But I love the Queen, and I've loved watching all these documentaries, and I, you know, I've feasted on them. But as I've watched them and listened to them, it, there's been a theme that has come out again and again, and it, every time I hear the Queen speak about this, I think that's incredibly dated. And the theme is service and duty. She just uses those words over and over and over again, doesn't she? And, and she, she said, you know, it's my duty to serve you. And in the fabric of us following Christ, we need those two elements, service and duty. Sometimes this is what will get you through and me through. Service and duty, a long obedience in the same direction but you can't do it in your own strength. No one's ever been able to do it in your own strength. In your own strength, you are like that car with a puncture. You will go off track before you can say Jack Robinson. But with the Holy Spirit's help in your tires, in your heart, in your head, your heart's desire now becomes, 
I want to live a life that pleases the Lord, come what may. And we need that Holy Spirit strength. Now, all of this has been pretty serious, so I thought the last point, before we actually wait upon the Lord for this, is the Holy Spirit enables us to experience joy. Yes. These last few days have been a celebration, haven't they? And if you stopped and asked people, why did you go to that concert last night, or why did you fill the mall, and what, what did you do? they would have said, without question, we wanted to be part of it. Yeah, we love the Queen, that's part of it, but we want to soak up the atmosphere. And I think that is part of what coming together as church is, is to soak up the atmosphere of being in God's presence. It's to actually be able to celebrate the Lord reigns. It's to take your eyes off yourself and put your eyes on the King of Kings and to lift him up and remind ourselves, you're still reigning. He's still in the saddle. And he always will be. He's never going to abdicate. Then do not play musical chairs in heaven. You know, God is always on the throne. And as we worship, it's like the Holy Spirit enables us to lift up our eyes. I just had this sense, and it's no more than a sense, that tonight as we were worshipping, it's like this church needs the refreshment of people praising God. It's like there's a deficit of years where we've held back from praising him, and we need him to hear that we love him. We need him to know that he's everything to us. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. But he can and he does do that. And he fills you with his joy if you ask him. You know, often we have words of knowledge for people who are in trouble. And, and we say things, and they're all true. And I'd like to say them tonight. You know, if you're one of those who are weary and you feel like, you feel like the air is out of your tires, of course we want to pray for you. And of course I believe God would want to strengthen you. And it's right that we keep on going on saying those things. But there's something we don't often say. And <laughs> I want to say that tonight. If your life is in order and you are close to the King of Kings and all is honky-dory, I want to say, well done. Well done. Keep it up. Keep it up. A long obedience in the same direction. That will win in the end. And let the Lord know your joy. It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to take pleasure in the Lord's company. Now, as I come to a close, and, and I am now coming to a close, um, very often this is where we go wrong. We don't actually stop and make the message personal for us. It is personal for you. This is not a message for everyone else in church apart from you. You know, it, it's quite easy to believe, I think, as I look around this building, it's quite easy to believe, oh, yes, of course God would want to bless Ken over there. <laughs> or, of course, God would want to bless some other person. And we sort of duck it and weave and, and think, yeah, but I, I really can't imagine he'd want to bless me. He does. I've been telling you all through this talk, God blesses the broken. God blesses those whose lives are a mess. God blesses those who realize they need help. You need to ask. I need to ask. Pentecost starts with realizing 
that we need to draw close to God. And these promises are for you and for me. You have a right now as a child of God to ask to be adopted in his family and to live as a child of a king.